Okay, everyone. Welcome to another week, another program of Let's Grow Together with your host, Mordechai Weinberger. As always, we'd like to thank all our affiliates that are hosting us, the jrootradio.com. Thank Harav Nissen every week for doing what he's doing and for Aaron for doing everything that we are that is happening over there. Thank FNW, and as usual, all those listeners calling into the phone line, I thank it, and with Siata Deshmaya, we will be able to take your questions and answers. Due to the massive currently happening in Eretz com, we will be having a break on the hour where they will be having news live from Eretz based on the situation that is happening now, as well as or if there's any breaking news, then they will be taking, um, they will be stopping for those breaks as well. The number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858 if you'd like to ask your question or comment. I first would like to start and wish my family a wonderful, beautiful Mazel Tov, and that is to my sister Esther and her husband Moishi, that's Esther and Moishi Schwartz, to my mother um, how should I say it? A huge mazel tov on having another grandchild, another anical born to the family. And this is a baby boy born to my sister, which this Friday was the birth, and it is the first child named after my father. So my father's yard site is coming up, the fifth yard site is coming up, Mertesham, this week. And to have a baby born, boy born, to have the name given after is a beautiful simcha, very nice. There's actually a lot of emotions that were going on around that, and maybe we'll discuss a little bit later on on the phone line. For those of you that would like to call in, I've, gone, I've described or gone into a little bit of detail some of the beautiful, happy emotions, but also a lot of the painful emotions, a certain finality that that's it, like another generation is coming, and to see it, and then as it is, Bar Hashem, I've had a child since then, and my sister's had a child, but to have someone named after gives it that certain finality. So I go a little bit more into details about that, and for that number, it's 718-298-2011, and it's under Section 6. But we're here to go talk more about the questions that you've had, feelings, questions or comments around the mental health. So again, for those of you tuning in, you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Um, we're going to go to the lines. Um, Javi, Javi, on line three, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi, hello. Uh, thank you for all you're doing, for Klaus Israel. Um, hear me? Yes, I hear you loud and clear. Okay. Um, I used to be a very connected person, spiritually, family, uh, and I went through a couple of stressful years, not emotionally stressful, just a heavy workload, um, and now that I want to get back on track, um, I can't seem to let go. Uh, now, with vacation here, um, I, you know, I was waiting for vacation to, like, you know, ease up and, and let go, and I, and I can't even get to that. So I was wondering if there's any, like, quick fix for me to get out of that mode, because I was functioning on autopilot, you know, all these years. Um, or I have to take it one small step at a time, you know, with the kids, with family. Well, let's let's first let identify, let's take your question on a, on a more deeper level, because, again, the main point of this phone line and these callers and everything... I'm sorry, you're coming on very low. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Is this any better? I'll talk a little stronger. Okay, thank you. Okay. 
Um, let's understand your question and more turn it into an awareness. Cause you're yeah, uh, yeah, I'd like that too, yeah. All right, so let's understand first your question. Your question is that you've gone through certain, we'll call it, We'll call it a trauma. Trauma basically means a lot, a lot of pain, which wasn't able to be processed. And so now okay, it so it wasn't pain. It was more stress, workload, you know, that kind. Call it anxiety. So let's call it major stress yeah, anxiety, and anxiety. Yeah, anxiety, yes. All right, let's take those words. Major stress and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And what has happened when someone has major stress and anxiety for a while, what do you think happens? How did you react? How were you those years that you had major stress and anxiety? I just made myself function and basically on autopilot, basically, you know. So autopilot is what we call the defense mechanism of survival mode. Mm -hmm. Survival mode means we need to move on. So in order to succeed, we need to shut down all areas of change, of creativity, of happiness, because Mm -hmm. we need to survive now. We're at at war. Our brain is at war. And the war is either we will survive or we will be destroyed. Yeah. And therefore, what happens in the fight-or-flight mode when the body gets into that is we lose most of the blood that goes in our head that's thinking the creative parts of the brain, and it starts going to our body parts, the physical, the hands, the feet, and it becomes a tightness, rigidity in our body because we're fighting, and all those endoforms start coming, and all those levels, the brain is now at war mode. Now, mm-hmm. let me ask yeah. you something. What do you think will happen to the body? when just like there's an on switch, which means there's a time when we're in emergency mode that's supposed to be turned on, and then it's got to slow down. So first let's just think of a regular healthy body. Imagine you are up 20 hours straight. What will happen the next day? Will you just need six hours sleep, or will you need more hours sleep to make up for the lack of sleep? Uh Uh-huh, you'll need more. You'll need more. Now let's assume the body is given that fight-or-flight mode, that fear, that crisis mode is meant to be an hour, a day, or two, or three days, mm-hmm. but not meant to go on for years. What happens if it's on for years and now you want to shut it down? Now you want to say, we're safe. What do you think will happen? I guess it's going to take some time. Exactly. It will take some time. Now what happens if the person isn't even aware that it will take time, and now they're pushing themselves so they're up for 20 hours, the next night they got six hours sleep, and or seven hours sleep, and then the next day they're still not functioning at themselves, mm-hmm. their own speed. What happens? Do you know what we do? We usually beat ourselves up. What's yeah. wrong with me? Uh-huh. Why am I not good? Shouldn't a good mother do this? I'm not going through the crisis now. What does it matter if it happened a year ago? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, but you're living at that crisis mode for four or five years. Give your body at least four months to relax. Okay, so you think it's only time. Like, I find I can't even be with myself. Like, I keep on uh, calling your number just to, like, you know, get my mind racing again. I can't calm down. Hello?
Okay, so sorry, we just had a technical difficulty that just came up, so I apologize for that. Let us just go ahead and let's go ahead and just repeat, just continue and get the understanding of what we are discussing over here. What happens is that our body, when we're in crisis mode, we start shutting down creativity, happiness, thoughtfulness, all those feelings that go is what happens. Now what we need to do is we need to... Okay, Javi, I'm glad you are back there. So once we have our understanding, once we understand that our body is in crisis mode and our body now needs to relax, the dangers that I find, especially in our from world, is once several issues, but one or two of them that I'm going to discuss is, Javi, you're with us, by the way? Yes, yes, I am. Excellent. So one of the points I'd like to sort of just to illustrate for us to identify is that when we're in crisis mode for X amount of years, we start believing crisis mode is normal. So when I deal with a lot of men, they tell me, what's wrong if I'm working till 10, 11 o'clock at night? And you mm-hmm. hear their seder ayoyim, you hear their schedule, they're up at 6 or 7, Baruch Hashem, they might have their share, they're learning, right away they're coming, they're going, they're running three, four businesses, they try to come home to help the kids, there's such a rush, people know when you run one business how complicated it is, then they're also trying to do chesed of helping other people, everyone is doing askanas today, which is a fantastic idea, the issue is, that we stop believing such a life is normal. Then when we start getting headaches, depression, anxiety, we start yelling at the family members. We're not able to handle everything. We see how negative we start looking. And then when they come to my office and I go, do you think it's too much for one person? And they go, oh, but i got ten friends that are doing it. My parents do this. This one does it. Mm-hmm. There starts being a belief that this is normal. No. Normal is sleeping seven, eight hours at night. Normal mm-hmm. is having one business going to Minion three times a day, having peacefulness, coming home at a normal time. That's normal. Let's take it to a mother. Today, we've got to have five jobs. A mother's got to work. He's got to take care of the kids, have supper, do homework. It's expectant that it's normal. And when I unfortunately tell people when they're going out to the workforce, saying a father won't be in the house today before about 7, 7.30, that's normal. That means if you're working in a job that finishes at around 6, understand it's going to schlep an extra half hour until you get out. Until you get home, it's going to be another 45 minutes minimum. Then if you're going to go for Mincha after, if it's the late summer days, you don't expect to be home before 7.30 or 8. This has became normal. That means the mothers have to do everything. How much more can we expect? And we've taken it as normal. And then you've got these martyrs, these amazing mothers, that few can do it, that won't need cleaning help or won't need tutors for the kids. We'll do it all on our own. Now that's amazing. But most of the people can't do that, and then we start feeling there's something wrong with me that I can't do it. And I'm finding with more than half my clients that are coming to me, there's just a distorted sense of what's real. Does that make sense to you, Javi? Yes, yes. So now it does. let's go ahead. So in and my case, taking... I knew that it's a passing phase. I knew it's a stage that's going to be passing, and now I need How to get back to life. How long were you going through that stage? What? How long were you going through that stage? Three years. Is three years a passing stage or is two days? A <laughs> I know, yes. Uh-huh. Let's use the words. Let's, not, let's identify what it is. 
Three years is a change of a lifetime. Yes. My father's missed a five years now. It's coming up the yard site. Five years is a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So much has changed in my life in five years. I am far from the person I was then. In yes. fact, I could share with you some of my feelings were sometimes, and when I would go to therapy and I bring it up, is if I could just hear from him, wow, he's so proud of me of doing certain steps. When I start making a list of certain accomplishments, I thank the Rabbi Nishlam that I had the shliach or the schus to be part of. I have a huge list. So much of my life has changed. You need to realize three years isn't a passing stage. Three years is a chunk of your life. Yes, yes. What yes, type sure. of a mother were you during those three years? What type of a wife were you during those three years? What type of a child were you during those three years? What yes. type of a friend were you? Mm-hmm. So now let's recognize, first thing is called understanding and forgiveness. That it is, I don't know if we want to use the word trauma, but it was a major event in your life, and an event we consider a day, a week, a month. Mm-hmm. You went through a major chunk of your life through a very difficult time. So now my question to you is, what can you do to relax, to ease yourself, to heal yourself? So whenever I do want to relax, I just uh, become tense again and run to the phone or, you know, start doing something to get back into that mode. And yeah. I can't, you know, I can't ease up and connect again. And so let's go ahead and take that to you now. One of the ways that you heal yourself is actually by starting to do the word is called self-care. Give yourself time. Start connecting, who am I? Because in crisis mode, we forget who we are. Mm-hmm. Who would you say, who am I? Yeah. Who are you? In other words, what are the enjoyable things that you like doing? Mm-hmm. What would you say? Okay, I, I can list them. Good. I can. That's yeah. step one. But step I'm so out of that mode that I would, yeah, I would re- need retraining to... To tell myself that it's okay to relax and be, That's you know. That's right, and to understand that three years was not an event or a time that something happened. Three years is major, means you have forgotten the old personality. Yes, Very yes, likely, exactly just right, like, yes. unfortunately, when someone breaks a leg, they need, and they're in a cast for only two months, they need physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Imagine someone that has been three years in a different type of a situation. What would you say? How much time do they need? How much training do they need again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and start recognizing. First, start writing down what were some of the points that you liked doing before, or maybe not even before. What are some things that you appreciate now that life has taught you? Mm-hmm, yes. I would also make a different recommendation. What can you schedule just one day a month, one day? I'm not talking about who knows what. I'm just talking about one day out of the month where you will take care of yourself. And that means there is no one around, no cell, no calling, not being a mother, not being a daughter. Just start recognizing who I am. Mm-hmm. Many times people love going into, many people like doing, um, going into nature. Mm-hmm. Yes. What are some of the benefits that you would like? What is something that you can do? Mm-hmm. So I get, I get, the, I get the gist of where you're heading, um, and it makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking, yeah. you know, let me just bounce back, and why can't it happen? It's impossible. Uh-huh. So you're saying self-care, uh, starting to do things that that most people don't like hearing. What's most that? people do not. I will tell you a secret that most people do not like hearing, and that secret is 
that many times after the trauma passes, after the three years have passed, mm -hmm. people start feeling then huge levels of stress and anxiety. So I unfortunately have people coming to me saying, I don't understand it. During the crisis, I was excellent. After that, now is when everything is falling back. Yeah. And the question is why? And the answer is because now the body is readjusting itself. Mm -hmm. I do so feel understand now a transitioning that you might stage find of... that during the time, during these three years, you're excellent, or maybe other family members, whoever went through with you, but after that, oh, now is when the trauma comes. Mm -hmm. So if you feel yourself after the difficult time now starting to have those emotions, that means that during crisis mode we're not feeling all those other feelings that we're affected by, but after that, is once the blood starts going back to the rest of our body, once we start sensing what we felt like, what our body was like, then we start going, oh, hey, oh, wow. Yeah, and then you start feeling crashing, pain, yeah. anxiety, stress, so it's normal. Mm -hmm. So you say time and self-care are basically the two things you were... Time, self-care, and the awareness as to what's happening. To mm -hmm. understand, to start identifying yourself, to start looking, to start watching what is happening to you. Yes. To start saying, oh, now I'm stressed again, now I'm going into the old mode, and now to be careful since you've done it for three years in that crisis emergency mode, to sort of say, no, no, that's not healthy, that's only in times of crisis, that's not the normal modus operandi, that's not what we function on. Uh-huh. Okay, wow, very, very helpful. Thank you. Thank I you. I appreciate the question. Sure. The number to call in with your or comment is 718-683-5858, that's 718-683-5858. We have Brandy on line one. Brandy, you're on with Mordecai. Hello? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you loud yeah, and clear. Hi, um, first of all, thank you for all your programs, and I always enjoy them. And again, tremendous. You're welcome. And Mazel on your nephew. Thank you. Yes, yeah. it's a huge um, I'm going place. through a tough time, like similar to the first caller, but I don't yeah. know how long it's going to last, and I've been through a lot of like self-work and everything. I want to know when, when do I trust myself that I'm in a comfortable place? Well, if you're going through a difficult time, let's, let's recognize it's not comfortable. For sure. I know. I'm, I feel I'm aware of my not comfortableness. That's so Excellent. Now, yeah. let's also recognize that the Rabbi Shalom gives it to everyone. So many times when we're in this place, we go, why me? Let's right. not do that. Part of the way we grow in life is through new experiences, through mm -hmm. new growth. And the Rabbi Shalom does it this way, that this is the way we're a better person. So first let's understand, going through a tough time, we need to reframe it. We need to look at it differently. This is mm -hmm. the Rabbi Shalom saying, I believe in you. And since I once heard a great commercial from Geico, Geico is the car insurance that they have, so they go, you never hear the way this boss is coming into the secretary, like coming into his office and the secretary says, okay, you have a 9 o'clock meeting, a 10 o'clock meeting, and at 11 o'clock we schedule the car crash. <laughs> you know, life happens not when we plan it, because we'll never plan in that car crash. We'll never plan in that now something will happen to someone. The Rebbein Shalem has his chesh and his timings, but one thing is sure, we grow from that. So now instead of saying how do we avoid it, how do I get out of it, which a lot of people are doing, or they get stuck in the self-pity of, why me, I'm such a good person, it shouldn't happen. It's the other way. So eventually I'm saying, I believe you can get better. Now, that means during the storm, there's always that eye of the storm. There's always a calmness that we can get to. Right. So, so my question to you is now... When I 
get into reality mode, like I see it happening, something connected to something triggers me, I, I don't know how to deal with that. Of course I mean, not. I feel the pain, but I can move on, but the pain is very strong. Is that normal? Of course it is. That is cold okay, in the that's science. what I wanted to... Well, yeah, first let's understand it. If it wouldn't be that painful, it wouldn't be a challenge to you. Let's say someone can lift weights of 20 pounds, and they're having you lift weights of 10 pounds. Is it a challenge? No. How are you going to learn to be able to lift up 40 pounds? Only going from 20 up to 25, will it be painful? Yeah. If you learn the tools of stretching, you have someone there spotting, helping you along the line, not jumping to 40 in the first shot, just doing it slowly, will you learn how to get up to 40? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can recognize that when you're having strong pain, it's the original saying, yes, I believe in you. But now you've got to learn how to deal with it. What's the lesson? Sometimes the lesson is saying, I need to do something. I need to speak up. Sometimes the lesson is the other way. I need to say, stop. I need to stop taking care of everyone, and I need to now take care of myself. Both of these lessons are equally important. Most of the time I would say the lesson is one or the other. You need to learn to say yes, or you need to learn how to say no. Either one will have pain if you're the other style. It means I'm a type of person I love, I love helping people. But then when I do the yes, yes too much, I fall apart. Mm-hmm. And for me, saying no is a thousand times harder than saying yes. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of work, and I still struggle in that many, many times. Mm-hmm. So you saying once I learn how to read my pain to know what it's talking about, then That's I can right. deal with it easier. And let's even help you out if you feel comfortable, because many, many people are listening. But let's give it a shot. Listen to the pain. Go into the pain. I am a very, I'm a very big believer in our bodies store pain. We feel pain. We can even talk to the pain when I have people coming with anxiety. I do it all the, the time. That's how I get out headache. of it. Oh, no, 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 the pain doesn't say get out of it. That's not no, no, that's how I get out of my mode of saying one spot. That's right, like, let's listen to the pain. What's the pain saying? I don't know. Right now, I'm not in my pain mode, so how do I Oh, get... it's very easy to go there. It takes a second. Imagine I'd have to work on people while they're in their problem. The beauty of therapy is that we can do it from a distance, from a bird-eye view, which we can get the emotion stirring... But at the same time, we're not being triggered, so we're able to use, like, our wise mind. We're able to use our, our subconscious to be able to give information there. Well, so actually, think I part of the pain. Usually it says that I'm not good enough. <laughs> oh, there you go. So the yeah, first feeling anyway. that comes into the emotion is, I am not good enough. Yeah. Correct? Now, when you start feeling those feelings of, I'm not good enough, what happens around there? Um, it depends on how... Depends where I am, what I'm doing at the moment. Well, if I think about it too much, then I could get very, like, depressed. That's right. um, Now, usually this is a confidence issue. This is a self-esteem issue. Correct. A self-esteem issue is I am a value regardless of what I do, regardless of what people tell me. I am, Baruch Hashem, a value. Right, so I worked on that a lot. I was from, like, 90% now I could say I'm, like, Maybe I feel it 20% of it. Yes. So now I would like to appreciate it, especially for our listeners to realize, we can work on issues for a while, get really strong, but then when we get triggered, when that core issue gets triggered, we can fall. 
But right. here's where I want you to realize. Right. Because you've already done all that, and I like using the example again of physical therapy, so let's assume someone broke a leg, they took physical therapy, they're walking well, and then they sprained their ankle. Right. The body remembers the old pain. It goes right back in there. But right. now, because you've had, because you've healed, you've retaught your brain how to heal, it is so much easier for you to do it the next time. So right. if you but think about the, the muscle comes, about... I have what? a hard time allowing it. So. That's right. And that is where the next process goes. And I, I have one of the programs that I have on the phone line in Section 1 is about beginnings. And the master is if we can allow ourselves to master the beginning stages, means we fall, and not be afraid of getting up again, then we can grow. And one of the Mishalama that imagine someone can learn a Masech to Shabbos, but now they've got to learn Kachim, which is a complete different subject about the Beis HaMikdash, about the Mizbeach, about Karbanis, all about that. You can have a Nazir. It's completely different than Hilcha Shabbos. Now, if this person is afraid to start from the beginning, because in this area, he might not know much at all, or the only way you can learn is by becoming a beginner stage. We need to embrace part of life's process is beginners, beginning yeah, so that's stages. that's my issue in a lot of areas. That's like, I, can, I, can know, I can know everything about the thing, but when it's a new, anything that's it. new. That's again hard. self-esteem. That's again the core issues. And I so heard that right away in what you've said. Deal with beginnings. That's right. So that's where <laughs> we would like you to walk around and try to master the thought of beginners. What can I do? How can I grow? How can I be willing to put myself into a beginning stage and feel comfortable with the beginner growth? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So you want to try to start things. You want to start identifying the thoughts that will be coming up. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I should have known that by now. How could I not know that? Many of those perfectionist thoughts, you might even notice certain person's voice in the background going, I knew we will never succeed. There might be a person, there might be certain instances that bring up those emotions, and as we grow, we heal. As we and grow, even if we I do heal. the beginning and I feel pain of the beginning, I, I ignore it? Yes, but remember, beginning processes at every stage. I can share with you, in the Litvishal world now, there's a huge shift where adults, people in their late 50s and early 60s, because a lot of the couples have moved to Lakewood for more affordable housing, from Kite and other stuff, whatever it is, there are, I've worked with several people where they had to now transition to move to Lakewood where they would want to be here, and they've had 40 years, 50 years, 60 years being raised in Brooklyn. That's a change. That's a shift. We always have that. We hear people today days with the economy that they're needing to change their businesses, that they're working 25 years in the business, and now the business has changed. And they need to start new. And I see many people just fall into a depression. I'm too old. I can't change. And the answer, solution, what we teach them is exactly the lesson that you're going through. A beginning stage of renewal happens at every stage in our life. We meant to go from kids to teenagers, from teenagers to getting married, medicine from getting married, to having children, from children having the children go to teenagers is a whole different stage. Well, I'm just using just the example of teenagers, but... Then when they get married to the detachment, there is always a beginning stage and an ending stage, and we need to master that. We need right. to not also, be afraid. Also, like, when I do get comfortable in something, when I start, like, I always feel comfortable. I don't like, I want to move on so fast. Like, I can't enjoy either That's that. That's part, and then there's a second stage of the process. So a lot of these is what your guidance will help you, Meretz clear out and get at ease to understand the process of life. The easier we can master those levels, the more comfortable we are because the Rabbi Shalom sends them to us at all times. 
Thank you, Randy, for the question. I appreciate it. We are going to our line five. Rifki, you're on the air with Mordechai. For those of you tuning in and listening now, the, um, you're listening to your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. Looking forward to taking your questions or comments. You can, as always, want to thank Harav Nissen, Aaron, for taking care of everything the way you're doing. To ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Rifki, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Yes, hello. Thanks for taking my call. And a question that I um, usually ask. I have a question. Being that I hear the British accent, are you calling from New York or from the London. tri-state? You're calling from London. Thank yes. you. So, again, for those of you listening in and calling in, if you're calling, like we've had calls from Ertusrol or from London or from England, I should say, please announce where you're from, and we will put you ahead of the roster. So, thanks a lot. Okay, what is your question? Yes, the thing is I had a very difficult and traumatic childhood and with the years I developed lots of fears so I wanted to know um, does it make sense or it's because of that so I need to if I want to take away my fears then I I need to get to to talk it through all my child or how how about we take it a little take your question a little bit differently because your question is something that people ask me all the time especially as a therapist and the question goes as follows why are therapists so busy about my past? Who cares? I'm smart now. I'm intelligent now. I know how to do things now. Why do we care about your past? Is that similar to what you're asking? Like you're saying you went through a very no, traumatic childhood. No, I don't care. It's, it um, it's in me. I don't know. Well, we're going to get to, so is So let's understand your question. I'm not sure if you're giving a question or a statement. Is no, the thing is, question, my mother passed away when I was very little. No, no, let's, let's go. Before we go into it, we got the part that there's trauma. We'll go into it in a moment, but I first want to hear if there's a question or a comment. Are you asking why is it in I you? I can't hear you so clearly. Oh, I apologize. What exactly is your question? Um, I want to know that um, my face comes, could be it's a symptom because of my very difficult childhood, because of everything I went through. Oh, it's just, um, I just need to deal with that besides the, the childhood. I okay, need so to... let me ask you as follows. Can you share with me a fear or two, and with everyone listening, I should say, if you feel comfortable sharing that fear? Yeah, it's okay. What fear? Yeah. I'm very scared of flying. I have, before flying, I, I get nightmares weeks before. Okay. And, and what are the fears you have? Every time I think have? I have to fly, then I'm just, I, I can't cope with it. Okay, flying is one of the fears. I got that. Tell me some more of the fears, some other fears that um, you have. I'm very scared to go um, between Goyim and everything because I, I don't know what they can do to me because I'm a Jew. Okay, good. That's a fear of going amongst Goyim. What other fears do you have? As long as you feel comfortable, um, pain to say it's a very much. big fear. Say that again? Physical um, pain. I'm sorry, say that one more time. Physical pain is a very big fear for me. So you're afraid of physical pain. So now let's yeah. understand how a child, what happens in our child development stages, what is important. What is important is during the different ages that we grow up, that we get older, there are different steps for us to master. So for an example, little babies need to learn to master, to connect, to be held. So for kids that are not being held, that aren't being listened to when they're dirty or when they need food, and they need changing, these kids many times don't need to connect to anyone. They have an issue connecting to people. 
then there's a different stage when kids get older and being able to get their needs and wants, so they're grabbing things. I, for someone that's, you know, the healthy boundary, balance, I should say, when you give kids things, when you say, sorry, this is someone else's, but there's an identity of who they are, and they feel safe. Then we get older, then we start doing more stuff, then we start learning information. At every one of those stages, there is a certain confidence or strength that we're supposed to master. When someone goes through a trauma or when someone has through difficult times in their childhood, or let's take your case where they didn't have a parent, what would happen if they're missing now that information? Will they learn it on their own? What would you say? Would you say the probably, person would yeah. learn it on their own? Yeah, probably. Yes. But what will happen if, let's say, like your case, let's say, for example, where you lost your mother at age, how old were you, if you feel comfortable uh, sharing? Almost three. Almost three. And how long was it? Did you ever get, did your father ever remarry? Did you ever get a mother figure? Yeah, he, he remarried. And this, yes. is, this was the biggest... <laughs> The biggest problem, she was a very tough lady, and I went through a hard time with her. Okay. So let's just take this understanding with what that means. So a kid, which let's assume you're an emotional person, and again, we don't yeah, just very... want to blame stepmother, because it's very easy to blame, or sometimes when parents blame, you know, when people blame parents. We're not here to blame the parents. We're just here to understand what are the needs of a child. If you have a need, because you're an emotional person, to put your emotions at ease, means to teach you it's okay to have a feeling, it let it pass, or some different tools how you can breathe through the feeling, different feelings of how you could come up with different creative solutions, different ideas, what will make you safe, a bracha, tehillim, or something, whatever it should be, but different emotional security and safety, having someone with you. But imagine you're a kid and you weren't taught those tools, and now you're 13 or 14 till you learn those tools. But for 10 very important years, you are without that tool. Is it likely that after 10 years of not having tools, your brain is going, I know how to protect myself, but there might always be someone scarier? What happens, what if? Sorry, what happens, what? Do you see how if someone is missing some information in their past, or for 10 years they were missing it, it should now affect their view of the future? So let's assume someone was in a class for about 10 years with the same class, and there were wealthy boys that made fun of him. Would you see how this person will now create a view into the future that the wealthy people are mean, they're Balgaivas? Can you see that? No, he will want to be rich and get money. But there are different ways. Can you first see the pain of this kid 10 years? Yeah, I can understand. Saying yeah, wealthy yeah. people are mean and bad. Can you see how a yeah. kid would get that image? Does that make sense? Sorry, I didn't get the last question. No, do you see how having, going through a certain experience for 10 years, how it will affect you? Yeah. Now, let's assume after 10 years, this boy is now 13 years old. And now he met a best friend that is very wealthy. Will he say, oh, wealthy people are nice? Or will he say, probably, wealthy people are mean and bad, but this one boy is nice? What will happen? Probably a second. So. That's right. So what happens is at a young age, once our mind is, the, while it's developing, we start making certain facts about life 
this is a fact, this is not true. Now, the rest of our life, we work with those same filters, whether we are aware of it or not. So we are, unfortunately, many times prejudiced and has lots of different thoughts and beliefs, not because of reality, just because of our experiences. Mm-hmm. So now let's go ahead and take it to you. I find most of the time with my clientele that I work with, when they have fears and anxieties, it is rooted in the past. It is rooted to a distorted view of how they've created a certain image, and that's why they're stuck in a pattern that keeps on repeating themselves over and over. So if I would even help you, if we would even look at it deeper, notice, or I would ask you, what is the similarity, if you can just tune in, what is the similarity between flying a plane and being amongst Goyim, that they can hurt you? Between flying and what? Between feeling someone is there. Uh. Yeah, I need someone there with me. Yes. Now, what are you missing? What I'm missing when I'm flying is someone is here with me. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very scared. I'm still scared, but um, I think the more, the more people, the more hidden they are, then I'm more safe. I don't know why, because if there's more hidden, then nothing will happen. Okay. So now if I would start asking you, what experiences did you have that they were Goyim, that you're not safe at? What stories did you hear? Uh, all over. Anything, I don't know. Okay. Nothing, so um, this is normal stuff that we work on with, with therapy. Me, we help you identify yeah. where the past program started, and therefore we start giving you now the tools to either help the early child or we start giving you the tools now how to deal with it that you might have been missing as a kid. So there might be, how can you feel safe? I need, um, I need someone with me to go. I'm not myself. Wow, excellent. So then recognize that this is something that usually that needs help. Yeah, because okay. probably I didn't have anyone as a child to right. listen to me and caring. And Does it make sense because of that? Yeah, yeah. Of course it does, but now let me ask you something. Do you want to stay with what makes sense, or do you want to get better? I want to get better. That's it. So here's where, in your case, because there's a lot that went on, I'd really recommend therapy, although I don't like saying therapy. Start working out the tools. Start seeing what was missing. Understand that this is classical, what therapists do. We deal with it. We help you identify. We help you give you tools that you were missing. And we are able to do it in a non-threatening manner. Um, things that... Um Till I get there, so I'm not so understanding I'm, I'm, question. I'm, I'm flying in a few weeks' time, and and I don't know. I feel very, I don't know. So when not, we hang not up, me, not myself. So when you hang up, you call up right away in England, and you find out where are the from therapists over there, and you start ASAP. You can sit and kvetch, you can sit and be stuck, or you can sit and start taking action. Those are your choices. You can, there are three natural responses to trauma or to attack. Freeze, freeze, sorry, fight, flight, or freeze. You can either run away from it, you can fight it, deal with it head on, or you can freeze. Mm-hmm. These, th- these issues will not go away, Lefider Hateva. It's your choice. I am here just okay. for awareness to create the awareness. 
Thank you, Rifki, for calling yes, in all the way from, from England. I appreciate thank it, and thank you for that. We are going to go to line two. We are going to go to Avram. Avram, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hi, Mordechai. Thank you for your program. My pleasure. Thank you. Yes, um, I hear in your phone line that you have a few questions and answers for your assignment. And uh, I heard last week that you have a question answered and a few months ago. So so I want to say some, um, there are a few wonderful organizations for assignment. I think it's for Hasidish, Litzish, and also in Israel. I found yeah. like six, seven organizations. Some is called The Links. Some is called Schlings Club. Some is called for Hasidish. It's Archudash. Some in Israel it's called um, Zeluzeh. It's called uh, other organizations called Benenu. And yeah. also in Flatbush, Brooklyn. It's in also Lakewood, from Chenu, from Amunas. Yeah. They don't give support. They give them chizik and advice. They make Shabbatons. They make a lot of. Um, they're giving them um, uh, magazines to read for them. And the prizes, Excellent. And Thank you things. so much. Are you actually the person that sent me that information about links? There's someone what? that sent me. I haven't had a chance to respond because there was just so many other stuff going on. Baruch Hashem, the Simcha, the family, but also I'm an emotional person. So when it goes ups and downs, I was not able to do for a couple of days the questions and answers. It was like I was processing my stuff and just basically working with people and balancing my emotions was more than I can do with reading. But Someone has sent me this information, the numbers to links. Yes, we've had several questions of people that they've lost that I've read on, on my phone line where they've lost a parent and now there's a simcha coming up and how can they be happy? There's like so much going on. Questions where parents are ill where, which weren't, which, and their life is being affected and these organizations are excellent to help out. So thank you, Rabbi yeah. Ram, for the awareness. Are you calling yeah, also for a question or so comment have, or was more giving the information? Say that again, please. I tell you, um, I'm familiar with all the organizations from Israel and from Brooklyn, from all over. Yeah. So I have all information with me. Thank you. So why don't you just share with um, us some of the, just say it again. So for those of you listening, Nabuch, if someone, unfortunately, their tragedies, I would even like to mention one that is dear on my heart. In my family, unfortunately, there was a huge tragedy that happened, Erev Shabbos. And when I say my family, I'm referring to my mother's family, the Perlstein family. We have a cousin. His name is Mati Winkler, Tari Winkler. His parents, Yeruchim and Chai Winkler, are our first cousins. And Nebuch, a 26-year-old Mati Winkler, married with a child, was nifter from an aneurysm. And it's to my great aunt, which I consider her grandmother, literally grew up and would sit and take care and all our cousins all together to my great aunt, to Simon Mandelbaum, the Rabbi Nishleim should help that there should be Yeshuas, there should be Nechamas, that there should be a Nechum Avelim, but we shouldn't have any more Sars, we should just be Zoycha to have the Gulish Lema. But my heart goes out to everyone in the family and the closeness and just such a special, special kid. Help people, and unfortunately, this is happening pretty often. And there, we need to have the resources where to turn to, that there are resources, people all volunteering. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, again, so why aren't you mention at least for the ones in New York, for those, you said links? Links, Schlemmy Club, it's familiar with links. It's the uh, links for the girls, yes. and Schlemmy Club is for the boys. Yes. Um, there's some Chenu, 
Um, yeah. There's also Ahudash, there's for both, for girls and and boys, for Chesedash. Yes. So for those of you that are listening, reach out, search them, ask someone, and they're out there. People are volunteering their time, and when we be Zoycha, that through these wonderful organizations that we should not be needing them, we should just be Zoycha for the Geula Shalema, especially now in Eretz Yisrael, just as we speak, there is so much happening there. The soldiers might go in, might not. They're preparing from people's... Eden's lives are at stake, and it's we all need to daven and hope that everything will be okay. So, yes. Thank you, Rabbi Ram, for the information. We, we are now going to go to Sandy. Sandy, on line six, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, Sandy? Sandy, on line six. Hello? Yes. Hi, my name is Sandy. Sandy, yes. Yes, um, I have a question. I know some people that when they go through your site, I know you're going through your site very soon. Yeah. Um, I just know some people that when they, whenever they go through your site, they sort of go into a frenzy. They go nuts. You can't speak to them. I just wonder if you I'm have actually any one explanation. Of those people, by the way, um, I'm not embarrassed hearing it on air. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am one of those people. My family knows, and this is about from two weeks. The Yurtzeit is coming up, plus my sister having a baby, and the first one named after my father. They gave me such a beautiful kibbutz of Kriyas Hashem, but I was almost breaking up. I wasn't sure if I was even going to be able to say the name. I get very emotional. I'm a very emotional person, and many times when it comes to our Yurtzeit Suda, and I'm able to speak all over, but it gets there, and I have a tough time. Or sometimes it's the Yurtzeit where I have a chiv, I need to daven for the Yamid, and if I need to daven amongst family members, it will just bring up the emotions that I usually daven. I usually go to Shemesh Shabbos, where it's more a minion, and I just say it. But if there's too much emotions, I get affected. Especially the day of the yard site, I don't work. And I tell my family, like, I can't talk. I'm not here. I'm not that Mordechai Weimiger. Right now, I'm someone that lost my father, and going through the yard sites bring up those emotions. They're triggers. They are. And I discussed it with my wife discuss with the family ahead of time how it's going to be, like, what, don't, don't look at me in certain light, and I'm one of those people, being that I'm an emotional person, I feel any, everyone has it, but some people to a certain degree, so, yes, but if we can understand it, if we can understand ourselves and give ourselves the space that we need, then we're able to be healthy, then we don't yell, we don't scream, we don't attack, we don't manipulate, we don't displace, as it's called in therapy, where you have where you're angry at one person and you let it out at another. Does that make sense? Yeah, pretty much. So now we can sort of clarify with what you're saying and that is oh let me let me make an assumption. Are you asking that why is it that those people when it comes to your site they're letting it out on a lot of people? Yeah, like why what's this whole emotional um experience and also why they're letting it out on the people around them. Like everybody has to suffer because these people have a yard site. Yes. Okay, so we'll clarify it even more. First so the number for those of you that would like to call in, ask a question or comment, the number is seven one eight uh six eight three fifty eight fifty eight. That's seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. We have now some availabilities for questions, so feel free to call in at 718-683-5858. 
So let's understand a little about the brain. This way you'll understand that we discuss this many times on air. And again, since it's for information, we've got so many new people calling in. I'd like to share it again. Our brain is really layered into three layers. The top, which takes up most of the brain, is called the cortex. And that's the top layer. That is our logical thinking, hands moving, a lot of that's there. Then we have our emotional response, a different part of the brain. It's the middle area, much smaller, and it's called the amygdala. Amygdala is where we store feelings, happiness, emotions are there. And then we have the sort of like the spinal cord, the part that goes from the brain into that whole area, and that's really what controls our breathing, our lungs, and a lot of functions. So we don't have to think to breathe. We don't have to think to, for our heart to pump. Now, the, the logic brain is something that understands time. The emotional brain is something that doesn't have time, and it stores whatever emotions are there will get triggered, which means when it comes to yard site, logically I could know it's five years. Logically, I could know I want to stay calm, but emotionally, when it gets triggered, boom, that's the day, and the emotion gets turned on. This is the day I lost my father. This is the day I lost someone that believes in me. This is the day that I lost, I lost someone that was able to always find a positive during a tough time, whatever it should be that someone lost. But that is the day that it's lost. It gets triggered. Now those emotions get, get, they get lit up as if it's happening this very second. To the amygdala, to the emotional brain, it doesn't make a difference in time. Now, here is where the expression of that emotional pain depends on the person's life experience. That means if I have an experience where, for whatever reason, when I'm in pain, I shut down, the minute we're in pain, we shut down. If I have an experience that when I'm in pain, I have to let it out at someone, then I invite to whoever's around me when I am triggered that much. It means the angrier I am, the more I will shut down or the more I will then give it out to others. Some people might have it that during an anger or during a big emotion, they get very technical. They avoid the entire situation. We don't talk about it. And then the bigger the emotion, the complete denial they go into. So now, as you said, why do you have to suffer if that person has a yard site? It's just because there's a connectedness, and this person has to give it out. So now, once you're aware of what's going on, now you can start making choices. Do I want to be around that person at a yard site? Do I want to call them a day or two before and a day or two after, but not that day, and always make up an excuse why? Is this at a safe time six months away from it where I could bring up this topic with this person and say, I want you to realize, but when it comes to your sites and with a whole bunch of riots saying the last six years, this is the way you behaved, it cannot continue this way, or what can we do for it to change because this is how I felt, then there's possibilities for change if the person's open to that. But understand that when the emotions are triggered, if the person does not heal, if the person does not deal with it, then it does not get easier with, the, with years. No, it doesn't. And unfortunately, we can see those 60- and 70-year-old people that are yelling and screaming the minute we touch their tension, their amygdala, wherever that abuse, that trigger comes from, it gets triggered and poof, it goes straight there. Does that make sense? Well said, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes, you're welcome. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Looking forward to taking your questions or comments. Let's 
take this concept that we have and even for shift it to a positive. And that is the same way that amygdala stores negative and painful emotions and sadness, it also does that for the positive. And what does that mean for the positive? What that means is that when we have a happy emotion, a happy time, when we get to that, it will bring that up. So many times we find people that they start throwing themselves into a certain behavior. When I do this, I feel good. When I, let's say some people, when they daven for the Ahmed and they got a lot of thank yous, they feel good. A certain person has a hobby and they feel good while they're doing it or brings up a certain memory while they're doing it. It now continues giving them that positive, that feeling, and now they will, we like doing that. If someone is in the business and they are successful, this gives them the same power that they like doing the business. That is how the brain works. The brain works in the emotional part of the brain, feelings that we like. What we learn is we learn, we learn to take this break. We learn to identify what emotions we need. We learn to do what thoughts we have and what to balance the two. We're going to take now a five-minute break for the news for what is happening in Eretz Yisrael. We'll come back to your questions and comments right after. The number to call in is ומאחנות והיערכות שהירי הזה יכול להתרחב ולהימשך לאזור גוש דן אפילו עד נתניה. כן, ואנחנו נדבר בהמשך עד כמה הוא יכול להתרחב ועד כמה זה יכול להימש
יריות שהיו שם. חוליה בת שלושה או ארבעה וכנראה מתוך כוונה להגיע לאחד היישובים, לבצע פיגוע מיקוח או משהו מן הסוג הזה, בנסיבות של התכתשות כזאת, זה בפירוש פיגוע מאוד משמעותי. צה"ל הניח שזה יכול להיות, ולכן הניחו פה לא מעט כוחות. כדי לשמור על היישובים, כדי לסגור גם את האופציה הזאת. החוליה הזאת זוהתה, כוח רץ לעברה, יירט אותה. היו, שמענו מכאן חילופי האש. אני מבין שכל ארבעת, שלושת או ארבעת החודרים נורו ונהרגו. הפרשה הזאת מסתיימת, אבל היא מלמדת על המגוון הרב של האיומים שיכולים לצמוח כאן בימים האלה. רוני, תודה, דני, אנחנו איתך. כן, אנחנו רוצים uh, לקפוץ לזיקים ממש. עופר חדד, אתה נמצא שם, uh, בגבול הצפוני של רצועת עזה. עוד פרטים על התקרית. אנחנו בינתיים uh, רואים בשידור uh, ישיר uh, את המסוק שאולי תוקף, אולי uh, מפנה משם uh, אנשים. Uh, בכל מקרה, עופר חדד, בוא עדכן אותנו מה קורה. הם מטוסי כן, מסוקי תקיפה, כמובן. רק uh, מעט uh, פרטים על מה שעדכן... Uh... ניר, אז כן, השמיים אנחנו יכולים לראות גם מסוקים, גם יירוטים, כל העת שאינם פוסקים. לגבי מה שקרה פה בקיבוץ, סמוך לקיבוץ, יותר נכון, באזור הבסיס, שלושה או ארבעה מחבלים מנסים לחדור לשטח הבסיס. גם בשעה הזו אנחנו לא יכולים להגיד בוודאות שהאירוע הזה יסתיים. הרבה מאוד כוחות זרמו לכאן בדקות האחרונות. right now and so we have a very very uh, uh, news from Israel unfortunately right now in Israel it's almost a worse status uh, a lot of rockets flying over in Tel Aviv uh, two rockets was uh, destroyed in the air with the Iron Dome and three um, terrorists that tried to penetrate to a uh, kibbutz Zikim in the south through the war to the, to the through the ocean uh, was killed right now Now we're trying to uh, inform, to get more information from Israel. Right now it's in the Hebrew. So we will, uh, we'll continue, we'll continue to talk uh, with, with uh, uh, Dr. Mordechai Weinberg, he's not, uh, not yet, sooner, Bezal Hashem. So, uh, Rabbi Weinberg, how are you? Baruch Hashem, Rav Nissen. Yeah. I left everything and I just came to the station because it's, uh, it's important. We got all the news from Israel one after one. Uh, one after one. I'm sorry, I apologize. So what do you think about, you know, what the people in Israel right now, what we see? And a lot of uh, us here worried about our relatives, uh, siblings, um, uh, you know, children in Israel. What, what is the best thing? So first let's... let's I just want you to know, you're speaking, and I'm feeling like chills go through my body hearing that, chas v'shalom, I mean, for whatever has to happen, but we're going to go to war thinking of everyone has a cousin, a brother, and if not, just feeling for everyone. I'm feeling chills going through chas v'shalom. Who knows, unfortunately, how many tragedies. War is something that brings that out. And the, the fear, the chill that I'm feeling... I could just imagine when you've got first in Brooklyn, how many people are having a sibling or someone in the army, or you're having a child learning an art stroll in yeshiva, or a son or a daughter there. The fear that, that everyone feels, and I'm Yisrael, we're all one. Just even if I don't know the person, just hearing a from Yid, we saw the achters that brought about from, from these three you know, tzaddikim that were, that were killed. 
So first, let's understand the first step when you're getting trauma and fear is to let it wave over, have the wave, let it go over you, acknowledge it. I'm feeling right now, I can tell you about myself, I'm feeling like my body, at least my left side, is feeling like tremors. Then the next thing is fears. What happens, Chas if someone, if go with the feeling, don't deny. The first step is what are your biggest fears? Don't act on it. Don't right away pull someone, call someone, say get out, because now you're working from an emotional stage, and whatever you speak will not go through. If you want to give calm, you are the parent now. We are someone that's going through, we're afraid. In order to do that, we first have to parent ourselves. We first have to take control. But before, before we take control, we first need to realize what are our fears. Does that make sense, Arv Nissen? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know what you said? It took me back to my uh, young age in the war, and it's, uh, it's really uh, so accurate. I know that uh, we... Uh, yes. We had so many uh, issues, and, and, and you know, in the war, during the war, and suddenly you find yourself, your friend, base basically paralyzed, don't know what to do. Yeah. And I had, I had a soldier that I had to slap his face and to move him, because he, he was really paralyzed. And some yeah. of them, some of them even, unfortunately, uh, you know, behave very, very strange. Uh, it's, it's give me, uh, you said about chill, it's give me chill back to, to return to this moment. And when you, you, uh, you, you see the, the, the airplane flying about, r- r- shooting all over, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, for, it's a trauma. I don't, uh, thanks God I, I, I passed it, you know, but I know that a lot of pe- my friends couldn't look, couldn't look at the sky at night was was yeah. scary that you know to see a, a shooting star that reminding that them is called rockets. trauma do you know that now in the u.s last year unfortunately more soldiers were killed after the war that they took their own lives than those killed in afghanistan that is what's happening now the trauma the feelings the chills that bar hashem you're strong or i don't want to use the word strong whatever you had you had the strength to go through it but many people don't have that and like you're saying all of a sudden you hear it's just going to war and it's it's triggering all those emotions, trapped, locked. I had an aunt that she lived in Eretz Yisrael. She was Nifta last year at a young age. But we went to a store in Manhattan, and just the fire alarm went off. So it was like the Disney store, wherever it was. She turned into such panic because she went through all, all the wars. She was like a five-year-old kid during the war, like during leaving you know, by World War II. She went through every war. The fire alarm went off, the panic that she went into. That's trauma. Trauma means fears that are in our brain, we move beyond it. But the minute there's a trigger, we get into that way. Now imagine if you would be triggered, Harv Nissen. Let's say, Baruch Hashem, you went this way. But others that lost a family member, they hear the word war. Do you know what happens to them? Do you know the fear that cripples them at the moment? They're locked. A mother that has to cook, and she remembers when a brother or an uncle was, was killed, and she has her relatives there. And she's got to cook now, and then her husband starts having a fight about bills. How do you think she's going to react? And that's, uh, <coughs> it's no question that it's really a paralyzed uh, us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the things that I holding, I think that holding most of the people, I, I, and we saw it with the three mothers that of yeah. this Kedoshim, is yeah. the, emuna, the emuna, that everything the Kadosh Baruch Hu is doing is for good. And even Thank I, you. it's 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 amazing. It's really what is, this is what That's is it. All, all 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 the only thing that we can hold and feel it 
it's the Borei Olam that this is his presence now and uh, to continue uh, doing what we have to do our Ishtadlut, praying for our, uh, our children in Israel, to our siblings, to our relatives, and to all, all, all of us, you know, just basically that they don't, right now with the war, it's not about the Israeli and the Arabs, it's basically the Islam, and the, and it's it basically, it doesn't matter who, but they, they look at us, the enemy, the Jewish people, the enemy. They, they prosecute you, you, if you have been, if they have the chance to kill you right now, or me right now, they will yeah. do it. Yeah. Because we are interfere with their, in, in the face. <laughs> yes. You know, that's that's yes. the things. Let's, let's, I, I, I would like to even exactly grow on what you've said, which is what are the solutions? Because people are going, I'm traumatized right now. This is happening. I'm starting to be, I'm hearing about war. I've got a kid there. I have a relative there, either in the army or learning there, or even if not, because I don't have that right now, but just feeling for a fellow yid, my heart, I still feel it's, it's past, but I still feel that concern. And, and so one of the main solutions are to see what is within my power. And we need to realize that being from is a schus. The schus is that we are maminim b'nei maminim. We could know that whatever the Rabbi Shalom does is l'tayv, and if we can start putting our koiches, empower ourselves, what can we do? And when people go through trauma, they say, okay, let's set up groups to say Tehillim. Let's try to do a mitzvah and say it should be a schus that Klai Yisrael should be saved, that there shouldn't be even one nichshol. We know the Rabbi Shalom is able to fight our wars for us, and if the Rabbi Shalom wants, we can have the Gula Shalom of the second. I've once heard from, unfortunately, sitting at a shiva of a child that was nifter from cancer, and one of the parents told me that when they say, there's the Pasuk of, He explained it to me, he said he was once in one of those bereavement groups, where one of the, one of the people were saying, but my kid died because of the doctor made a mistake. Another one said it was the wrong it was the wrong medication they gave. This one said the kid couldn't fight it. And this person was saying, no, says the Rabbi Nishleilam is the one that was the right for the Rabbi Nishleilam, knew exactly what it was. And he says, at that time, it was an Achnu B'Shem Hashem, like the Rabbi Nishleilam had his cheshben. But what we need to know is this person didn't feel loss of power or blaming. He was able to grieve and go through the process saying, we have the Rabbi Nishleilam. We know the schus of tefillah. We know the schus of tzedakah. And most importantly, we know the schus of achtos. If we can start doing something in our hearts, what we're doing, that gives us a focus and again grounds us. means go ahead, continue cooking. Men continue working. we got to go continue doing what we need to do. But we need to have in mind, when we do a mitzvah, have in mind of all clients. So achtos is the biggest level. So you can stay paralyzed. Stay a moment, recognize. You need to identify, I am now stuck. I am now angry. I am now nervous. We need to recognize the emotion and not blame others. Not get caught also with trying to drive all up or drive angry and saying it's because of the other car. No, it's because right now we're worried. We're concerned. We're afraid. We don't know what will be. Nissen, yeah. what are your thoughts? You right, went through right. Okay, uh, I want to tell you because we are so involved here with like right now it's like a war, like a, a war room that we are you know yeah. trying to get. So I'm not so concentrated with your word, but we have other callers that want to to continue the show. So okay. um, we will continue and Bezal Shem, if any news 
will come so we just uh, we interrupt in the middle thank you and really באמת it's only what we have אין לנו לסמוך אלא על אבינו שבשמיים so yeah. we have put number one line number one okay, we're going I am Chaim on line one you're on there with more to Chaim for those of you that like to call in with your question or comment the number is 718-683-5858 718-683-5858 yes hello Chaim you're on the air with Mordechai yes I have a question about uh, my son is about nine years old uh, when he's panic when the class go to swim he's panic a few hours before like days before he don't can sleep he don't can eat A terrible, terrible panic from only when I heard uh, about the uh, swimming. It's, yeah. Uh, as far as we can do. And you uh, said your daughter is nine years old? My, my son, nine years old. Oh, your yes. son. He's nine years old? Yes. Now, I'm going to ask you a personal question, so choose to answer it. It's your choice if you'd like to answer it or not. Does your... Does you or your wife suffer from anxiety? Yes. Okay. So let me explain something why I asked this. Not that this is the solution, but it's a very important needing to understand. Logic information does not go across to someone. That means if I know Shas and I stand next to you, you will not know Shas. Feelings is something that does go over. Feelings means if I am nervous, just being around you for an hour, I will start getting nervous. If I am calm and you're around me or you're calm and I'm around you, I will feel calm. Confidence, leadership abilities are not about the outside. It's not, about, it's not only about the tools that we have. It first must start with the inner peace and inner calm. When I hear that there are nine-year-old kids with fears or big fears, One of the first steps that I always identify is which one of the parents have that, step one. Once we've identified which one of the parents, now we see, is this kid old enough to be able to do the therapy so they can detach from the parent, which means, like, can, is your child old enough to be able to give him therapy? If yes, fantastic. If not, then we do child play therapy, which also helps. And many times it helps the children a tremendous amount. However, I always tell people if we don't deal with the root of the issue, it will continue coming up over and over and over again. So let's first recognize how do you deal with anxiety. First step that I deal with in therapy is we have this kid talk. Have your son talk. What's he afraid of? It might be afraid of drowning. It might be someone in the colony drowned they were afraid. might be someone once threatened them. might be that they once choked on just a little bit of drinking water. We don't know what it was. Do you know why your son is afraid? Has he ever verbalized, expressed why? No. I, I asked him a few times. He don't can express nothing. Okay. So then the question is, if you can go to someone that has experience, which means many times we use toys for play therapy, and I've just created like a little room even for adults. I find many times there are adults that are locked up, And I see they're locked, and therefore we've got different toys there. Just take it. Just show it to me. Just to make it easier. Yes, I can push. But it's surprising when people think play therapy is just for kids. Absolutely not. I find it so empowering with adults. So let me just give you the tools what you can do before we say run to a therapist. First step is have your kid try to talk what's going on. How do we do that? 
we sort of shoot in the blanks. It's called shooting blanks. And that means you ask the kid, are you afraid you'll drown? And then your son might just shake his head. He might not be able to talk because it might be so difficult. And then he'll be able to shake his head yes or no. Prepare about ten questions that you think he might be afraid of. Step one. Step two is instead of saying, this is the reason, once the kid says one thing, don't assume that's it. There might be four or five issues. So I've worked many times on kids where go, sort of like we even had our first caller, or it's our second caller from England. What is she afraid of? So she's afraid to fly in a plane. Then I ask, what else are you afraid of? Oh, she's afraid to go in the street that Goyim might kill her or where Goyim are around. We want to get more. You might find that it's never in one specific area. Then you want to try to understand what's the underlying link. Are they missing confidence? Are they missing just how to deal with the crisis time? What do you feel is missing? So the first step that I'll give you the exercise for this week is speak to your son. Let's see if we can get about three things or four things that are bothering him from that. Why is he afraid of the water? That's the first step. Understand that this is treatable with siyata dishmaya. means this is what therapy does. If someone's afraid, we can work on that. So if you're not able to get it, call me up next week. But I would also recommend that you, um, you know, look or speak to someone that can get your son talking. And just along those lines, because we can't help unless we know what's his fear, what's he afraid of, try maybe with toys. If you have toys in your house, try to tell him to pick which piece looks like the fear that he's afraid of. Even though the piece might not look like it, like I've got over there a dinosaur, and someone picks a dinosaur, so I, was, uh, I had no idea what they meant from a dinosaur, and they were just saying it was a very big person that I'm afraid of. So you might think it's the sharp teeth. You might think it's the claws. Let's not make assumptions when kids pick things. You want to ask them, what does this mean? What does this piece talk to you? And then, because that's how projection works. We project onto others our thoughts, onto other items. So it's hard to help you without knowing or I should say the first step in healing is knowing what's going on. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Excellent. So if you can call back Merit Hashem next week and share with us three or four points of what your son is saying, why he's afraid of the water, then Merit Hashem, we will hopefully with Siyat HaDashmaya be able to guide you in the next step. Uh-huh. Okay, and our second question will I have, I call about um, four, work, four weeks ago about anorexia problem. Yes. Yes, okay. Um, you told me to go to therapy to see what I take um, from a row. Wait, hold on. Let's clarify because it was a huge, huge point. So let's clarify. Your question was that you have a certain family member. We didn't know if it's a sister or a niece, whoever it was, is but she is mean. suffering from anorexia. Yeah. Then what you also mentioned is there are so many family members involved, and I asked, what's your relationship? Do you have a direct relationship? Do you know... Are you in charge? Are there other people involved? And the reason why I was asking was because many times when you have a case, when you have a complicated case, you need someone to speak to the doctor. You need someone to speak to the therapist. You need to make sure the two are connected. And if they're not, then it's yeah. not healthy. So okay. my recommendation was first get a case manager, get out all those family members because you don't want to start a process and then have another family member, another uncle starts showing up saying, oh, this and this is the cause, this is what we need to do when they have no experience, they're not involved in the process, they haven't seen it. And many times, unfortunately, I've seen cases where I've even had to remove myself because it's just getting too complicated. It wasn't about therapy. It's also I need to do now therapy on all these people that are getting involved, and we need to spend hours of educating the process what we did and why it might not work. 
Therefore, I suggested for a case like that, and the way you've mentioned how discombobulated it is, how many different components are involved to please get a case manager. Okay, so now let's get the update. So now you're telling me that you called up and you got a case manager? Rabbi Joel Rubin. Okay, wonderful. Yes, I happen to know him, and I happen to like his work. From Monroe, correct? Yes, yes. Yes. Okay, uh, I take him for... And the problem is, is my uh, uh, the 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 patient don't want to be with the. She is very angry with the parents. She don't want to go to the parents. She don't want to speak with the parents. Is this also a symptom for anorexia? Of course. Let's clarify a little what anorexia is. Anorexic is along the lines where there's a need for control. There's always. So without attacking, but I would ask you, which one of this girl's parents are very tough, controlling, very manipulative? The mother. The mother. And what's the father's role? Oh, so uh, not, not so, so difficult. Not so difficult, but still difficult. Yes. Okay. So let's understand that when people deal with it, it's not always, I'm not saying every time, but I'm saying most of the time, when you're dealing with anorexic issues, when you're dealing with enuresis and encompresis, that is for children that they're not going to the bathroom and they're having accidents. Many, many, many times we're dealing about a control issue where the kid, the only power I have when you're controlling me and you're bossing me around is about my body. When I will eat and when I will go to the bathroom, you cannot force me. Everything else you can force me to do. And what happens is, it becomes a survival mode that under stress, they stop eating. When they feel attacked, this is their way of me feeling in control. Or sometimes it's a disassociation. I just detach from my body. Many times it's these same anorexic children that are wanting to get finally love and perfection. They're trying to, be, they're trying to get their love through perfection, which is now causing them, I, if I'm fat, I won't get loved. But what is needed is to start creating the healthy space for them to feel safe, to be themselves. Many times, unfortunately, being in their family structure isn't healthy if the parents aren't going for therapy. So now let me ask you, are the parents going for therapy? Not really. And so imagine here, the issue of anorexic is, uh, let's make the assumption, is a control issue. With the parents are telling you, you got to eat, you got to eat. The kid is saying, stop telling me what to do. I've stopped eating because I am not getting the respect. I'm not being acknowledged as a person. So what they're trying to do is heal, but the dance that's going on, and I call it a dance in therapy, it's called a dance, which means everyone is dancing to the same horror. It's not changing. Someone has to change the music. Either the parents go for therapy to start changing the music, or the kid go for therapy to start learning how to deal with parents that are that way. But as I told you then, and it's very scary, anorexia statistically, statistically is the highest, I hate saying it, death rate from all mental disorders. Just check it up. It's not a joke. Yes. And if this, again, I don't want to, you've mentioned his name, so I try not to do that, but I don't like giving advice to people and along those lines. I like just giving suggestions. Part of the work that needs to work on is the parents. Part of a case manager is to say, is this the best for your child to be now in your house if you guys aren't learning to change the music as well? 
So if a kid, if someone is not in their parents' house, I don't always involve parents. But something as this issue, I feel parents must be in therapy, and they need to realize that this is a serious life and death illness. Mm-hmm. Okay, the but then again, from what I know about the person you're talking about, I think he has the skills and the information to know this already. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So let me okay. ask you again, what is your role in the matter? This is my, of colic and Yiddish, my schneer. Aha. Okay. So a schneer is a daughter-in-law. Yes. So if she's married to your, to your son, let's say, why do yes. the parents even have to be involved at all? Oh, so to go uh, at night. For, Again, I just want you to realize we're on air and a lot of people listen to this, so if you feel you've given too much information, you can stop, by the way. No, do you feel no, it's okay? Yes. So go with the, the um, uh, end of the week, you go like Shabbos to eat a cedar like this. Is that healthy? Is the therapist involved that's working with her, do they feel it's healthy? No. So why they are they going? They, 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 they mentioned to, to stop going. Uh, the, 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 the mother's still, still um, very angry. She's going to start going nuts. Yes. Excellent. So now recognize what's going on over here. We have someone that has a very serious diagnosis. Baruch Hashem, it is treatable, but it's a long work ahead. And we have over here a mother that has never gone for therapy that is probably the cause for it. Her unhealthiness that she's got a child that has a major, major diagnosis and will not let go. And that is we first need to realize who is the, who is the core Who's the first issue that's going on over here? Who has a real major psychological disorder? No. Uh, the, the mother. The mother, okay. Now, once we have that, imagine if you're a parent and I tell you, right now your child needs six weeks, right now your child needs two months of break because of some issues that were going on. What would you say? Would you say, no, they must come to me? Or would you say, do whatever you need to help yourself? Yes. So what type of a person is someone that says, no, you must come to me, no matter what? A very hurt person, yeah. a very pained person, a person that feels that if they don't have their, pa- their child with them, then they're completely lost. So they're not thinking logically with their logical mind. They're thinking now with their emotional mind, saying, no, all these people are wrong. Being around me and you'll get better. You'll see because you never listened to me till now. Mm-hmm. Is that usually what happens? Yes, yes. And that's exactly why you need a case manager involved. Someone to help the family realize what are healthy, what is unhealthy, what is causing pain, what is not causing pain, all this, and then how to start making choices, how to deal with, unfortunately, you need a rub involved to get to make clear what is the mitzvah kibbut aim, what is not, how to do something bekavadig and not, and I say that again. Rabbanim must be an integral part of this team, especially now that we've identified that a mother is a major issue over here, where she's unhealthy and a daughter that, has, that is suffering from anorexia. So we need a Rav involved. Who's a Rav in the Kihila? And I know he knows several Rabbanim as well that needs to be involved to tell the children, your son and daughter-in-law, what are the halacha param- parameters involved over here? If halacha says, if the rub says, speaking now to the mother is an avera, it's not a mitzvah, you're hurting the future jo- dairis over here, mm-hmm. 
then we heard what das Torah is, and if the therapist, if the therapist and the, and the rav feel that together, then we need to make sure that that's happening. Uh-huh. Many times the rav will say, no, you can place a call, you can do this, but you need to work, you need to find out for the therapist, the therapist needs to speak to the rav and work it out. Okay. Thank you, Reb Chaim, for that. We are going to go to line six. We are going to Chaya. Okay. The number, we lost Chaya as well. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858. The number is 718-683-5858. We've got an availability for a question or comment, 718-683-5858. I can share with our listeners um, a little bit that goes into, I've heard once someone complain when they went to a center for therapy and they took an intake. An intake is sometimes could be an hour and a half of getting history. And they're going, why are they wasting the time with this? What's the purpose? And the answer is, we hear a lot of programs, of systems that are in place, that once we are aware of that, it changes tremendously. It changes with what's, it gives you an insight, and you can also help the client have an insight. So someone comes in to me, I have, let's say I can't wake up in the morning, and we help them recognize that there's huge stress in the day, or there is a huge other issue going on, we can deal with that, and we can focus on that. So getting a history, understanding what's going on can be, and that's in therapy we call it a genogram, where we try to get the family to do that. We have back Reb Chaim, and then we're going to go to Ruchi right after. Uh, Reb Chaim, are on the air with Mordechai. Yes, okay. I was just a minute. Uh, uh, disconnected. I don't hear the whole end. Okay, but the basic point is that you need to have now, uh, Yoel uh, Rubin has to call up the therapist that's working with the case, needs to call up a Rav in your Kihilo, Find out what is the mitzvah's kibbutz of aim, when it's healthy or not. You need the rav and the therapist to speak. Maybe the therapist feels it is healthy to have some connection and to learn the healthy boundaries with mother and to start dealing with the emotional triggers. All those are needed, and we can only find out once you've got the therapist with the case managers talking to the psychiatrist, making sure she's also going to a, to a nutritionist. There's a lot needed when you're dealing with eating disorders. Yes. Reb Chaim, the Rabbi Shalom should continue sending siyat to the Shmaya. Know that if there's a healthy parents involved, a healthy husband, it is workable with siyat to the Shmaya, and your daughter-in-law can be healthy, and everything should work out. Just need to make sure there's a good team and a huge amount of siyat to the Shmaya. Okay, thanks so much. Chazak v'yamatz. Okay. All right, Ruchi, on line three, I'm there with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Okay. First of all, I don't know if you approve of this, but the young lady that was afraid of flying, um, I know there's something called calming essence. Yeah. And um, do you, do you, I'm sure you know about it. Do you, do you approve so of it? I am, for those of you that know a uh, little about me, I am a big believer in the alternative world therapy. I'm a big believer in the classical world therapy. And essences are sometimes the essential oils that people have. And there are many, there's Bach remedies, there are um, homeopathy, so many fantastic points out there. And I even take some of them when I like a boost. But I'll just give you over here my humble opinion, and that is the oils and these essences don't heal when there are huge fears and traumas going on. 
means they're meant to help out. If someone needs a little boost, they're a boost. They don't give the whole work. And no, unfortunately but... for someone, like she said, that she's gone through huge trauma where she's lost her mother, her father remarried to a very tough lady, and that the trauma went even worse, like her pain in life and not being able to handle things got so much worse. From my experience, a little oils, like I'm a big believer, people, I go into acupuncture, I'm a big believer in that, but when someone tells me I went to acupuncture to go ahead and heal, my emotional anger and fury that I have, and I was never respected, and you go through their trauma histories of pain that they went through, I'm sorry, but I don't believe that acupuncture will heal that. I believe it will heal while you're doing therapy, take all of them. Right. So no, I did, no, I just meant because she said she has to travel in the immediate future, so I meant in conjunction with sure. the therapy that she's going to start. And um, being that she doesn't have all that much time, I thought maybe for, for now, as in, I guess you'd use the word adjunct maybe. Sure, and adjunct um, is the right word. I have a client I'm doing intensive work with him, and sometimes we hit, like, to such trauma levels where he could almost, like, kick the recliner, like, just get so angry. And he finds going for acupuncture while he's doing the therapy calms it down. He doesn't want, and he doesn't need medication, and I see it working. So I'm a very, very big believer in the alternative therapy, but then he would, let's say, report to me that family members are saying, don't go for therapy, just acupuncture is doing oh, the work. Please. No, yeah. that's okay. not the case. I... We have to go in. We need to change programs. We need to identify some of the tools that were done to him and that he's continuing to do further. I wanted to ask you something. I'm a woman of already, let's put it this way, I got my half-fare card already, (laughs) uh, Metro card, and I've been working for decades. And there were two things that, that, that you spoke about that sort of resonated. One is trauma and, um, and then having lived under various traumas for a while, then wanting to be able to get up and do and be, and, um, and then when I don't, I feel bad. I know it's a self-concept issue because you mentioned that, and having been, you know, called a lot of names when I was young, um, it's very hard to overcome it, no matter how much work it's just kind of hard, you know, I guess, things that are right. penetrated when a person is very young, like being called lazy or slob or those kinds of things, um, it's hard. And as what resonated maybe is because what you were saying, that when a person gone through a lot of trauma, maybe that's the body's way of regenerating. That, that's what I wanted to, to hear sure. your... Well, let's use the word trigger. I, I first would like to give you a huge amount of validation. I'd like to say this, and for those of you listening, you know I'm not one of those therapists that likes saying, oh, we're all victimized and we're traumatized and everyone has an excuse for not being successful. So I'd like to say this and really take you as an, as an example and to illustrate your successes. You've gone through traumas in your life, but look at what a successful person you are. We have all gone through trauma. No one can go through life. No one can go through a, a, a life experiences without being affected. Herb Nissen said that he was in the army over there, and then there were fly, planes flying overhead and explosions going, and a soldier was, like, frozen. He had to slap the guy to, to just bring him back to the present time when the guy was frozen. Who can say that they have not gone through a trauma in their life? Impossible and no one. But what we want to realize is that when we hit those trigger moments, whatever they should be, 
for you, it's someone he's screaming. It could be a lady screaming at her daughter and saying, you're lazy, you're worthless, and that just triggered by you those feelings, even if they weren't talking to you. And to I... recognize that we have tools how to deal with that, breathing, ground yourself. I'm not there. Continue. Just take a walk, doing physical stuff. As you've mentioned, having a calm essence or something that can ground you that will just bring you back to this moment. One of the amazing points of essences are the smells. And we know smells goes directly into the brain. And sometimes if you have one of those essences that give calming feelings, going somewhere, touch, brings you back into present time. Here. I wanted to say just in a positive way, it's interesting. When I see, it has happened to me a number of times, I'm walking in the street and I'll see a mother walking with her daughter or her son, and they're smiling at them. It always makes me feel good. And sometimes I'll comment, I say, it's so beautiful to see you walking with your child and interacting so beautifully and smiling. And I guess that's the, po- the, flip, the positive flip side of what we, we were talking about. Okay, let me just ask you this then. I, I have had some of the calming essence, but for this kind of questioning my self-worth, which for me goes doing, in other words, I don't work outside the home, so I feel I'm not doing enough, that sort of triggers me. Is there, okay. I'm working, I'm still working, I still have therapy, but is there some that you would recommend one of the particular ones, or is that too personal? On the oh, line? no, that's very simple. There's something I'd like you to realize. Anyone that was put into that child, in that, or being raised, being told lazy and you're not good enough, part of the opposite effect when we get older is we try to overcompensate. Always, we try to do more, always, and we never always. feel satisfied. We, and I use the word we because Baruch had wonderful, healthy parents, but somewhere I picked up that program that it's never enough. Interesting. And Dr. Tversky says the same thing. He had a beautiful yeah. child, Kunar, and he also from... Okay, Baruch Hashem, I guess these are on the right. So I also feel that it's part of a nature that the Rabbi Shalom has given to the world, and mm-hmm. I consider it a major bracha as well. It's unfortunately sometimes a klala, but the bracha and the way to deal with this power, with this kayach, that we can do more, that it's not enough, is to actually acknowledge every day, one of the points you can start is just write down, what are three points I need to do to know that I am fulfilled today? Sometimes I need to do that. What is one step if I do today, I feel I live for myself. And for those of you that know a little what I do between the phone line, the station, helping people, there's, and in my private practice with everything else, sometimes I can go through and say, a week has gone by and I haven't existed, the I. I yeah. might have helped thousands of people. With questions and answers and with other stuff going on. I might have spoken and helped change, but what about the I? And when I don't take care of the I, the me, I don't feel good. And I don't believe the Rabbi Shalom just put me on here to make everyone happy and forget about myself. Well, the other way around, we always know it's the, it, we got to first take care of ourselves. So the balance is something that I struggle with till today. And here. if you can, so, so my recommendations um, are Three follow. points. What kind of three points? Like, so, for example, for me, it would be I walk out. One of the things I must do now, which I haven't done for years, was at lunch. I have my secretary run, get me lunch. And this way I can call, speak to someone while I am, uh, you know, or answer someone's question while I'm eating. Now it's I go out. It might just be five minutes, but just, and I also like being when I'm just in the sun, just feeling right. the sun rays. Is like for me a recharge, and like I just I ground myself. So going to get myself lunch, and while the food is being warmed up or prepared, I just stand in the sun is a grounding. 
That's one step. I've now increased it to several things that I try to do every day to be I. Who am I? So if you can start thinking as well as what are some of the goals that you have for today. So if you will just call one friend every day and just say hi, five minutes on a friendship level. If you will make supper or prepare yourself food, I took care of me. If I will take now vitamins, I will remember to use one of the one of the essential oils that I will smell two times a day, that I've taken care of the me. And this way we don't get lost in that realm of that world of hero that I need to save everyone. Because that's where your mind goes to, even if you don't do anything. The amount of times that I work with clients and the person tells me I'm the laziest person in the world, and I go, oh, no. If I ask you what do you want to accomplish, they give me a list of 100 things. I go, you are the busiest person in the world. And because you're so overwhelmed, you can't get the, you can't get the engine going. But you are so busy in your mind, and we need to learn how to start calming down the mind. So that's why if you can lower your expectations to three points that you want to accomplish that day, once you've accomplished that, that is a success, as well as besides those three points, remember the I. You okay, are that's what being. the difference was. I hear you. The three points, and so if I did that, Barsham, I was... I don't know how to say because I know that's a terrible thing to say, but it's, in other words, worthwhile. I know that's terrible that's because right. we're yeah. worthwhile if we can't do what we can do, but it's just so hard. I'm, I'm, I've been working over 40 years, on, pretty much on, but a little bit of breaks with professional, but, yeah. so I wouldn't say the whole 40 years. But, okay, that, and which essential oils do you feel, and then I'll give somebody else the opportunity. I happen not to be that knowledgeable in the oils, I happen to like, me personally, I like the rescue remedies, that there is the Bach, which aren't kosher, so they have now a kosher version of something. Yeah, I have that. that. But I, I, I like that a lot, and I would really recommend that you speak to, they have on the radio, they have Dr. Grubner, uh, you know, okay, Gruber, doc- which those vitamins, yeah. there's Zoller's vitamins, there are so many great stores out I'm there. I'm taking that, I'm taking, I have a lot, I'll just put the rescue remedy that I have. So first of all, I do want to tell you that whenever I get to listen to your show, I enjoy it so, so much, and I know that you're helping a lot of people, and it's just beautiful because it's, it's from a Tyra place, and you're always, you will say, consult the rules or whatever, you, you, you will allow for people to get their additional um, guidance um, from where you feel it's necessary. And um, it's just like I say, Toyodik, Heimish, and very Batam, besides effective. I wish you had Tzlacha Rabbah B'chol and Yonim, and we should be also Echotogul Shleim of B'mheira B'tel Klal Yisrael. Thank you very much. Thank you, Rochi, for calling in and for that information. And thank you for the bracha as well. Go to, we are going to go to line five to Menachem. Menachem, thank Hello. you for calling in and for holding. How are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. Um, I'm calling about a 12-year-old girl. Yes. She um, has friends. Um, very um, Often happens to be sometimes older than her that when... She can think that maybe they're making fun of her sometimes. It doesn't happen too often, but when it happens, she she would, like, run home and not go back for for a while, basically waiting for them to call her, to get her back. And this happens... It happens um, not too often. My question is, how do I explain to her 
um, that she should realize if they're doing something wrong, there's nothing to do with her, and she shouldn't be pleasing them. She should do what's good for her. So let's take your question. Your let, let's let's understand it. Your daughter's nature is that when she wants to make friends or if she has a problem, she tries to be the people pleaser. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. And what you want to teach her is that generally trying to please people will not make them like you. Is that correct? Right. Now, one of the ways we do that is we need to break that down to a 12-year-old. So if I'm a 12-year-old, how will you explain that to me? I'm not sure. I would, I would, I would tell her to look at the patterns. Ah, that's so a 12-year-old. That's a great for an adult. Let's go into a 12-year-old. Let's stop thinking like a 12-year-old. So let me give you a suggestion. And I would, let's say, pick someone in the family that is a people pleaser, that people like, but let her see what they look like 20 years from now. So do you have an aunt or uncle? Just tell me if you have someone that's a people pleaser. It's not so uh, open that she can see. Okay. Could you think of someone? Does she know a storybook, one of the Jewish storybooks that you tell her of someone that's always a people pleaser? Mm, I guess I have to find one. All right. So then I would even make up the story. I would, tell, I would sort of then tell my daughter, let's, let's understand. Let me give you stories here because children like stories. So there's someone, a 25-year-old mother, that she has friends and she wants to take care of her kids, but then the friends are talking to her, so she's thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy them presents. But the friends aren't talking to her because they don't see why they should talk to her. So you know what the friend does? The friend tries to give even more presents. This one that wants the friend, so it gives them even more presents. Will it make them closer? And then she might go, no. Then you go, okay, who do you know that has a lot of friends? Could you think of someone in the family that has a lot of friends? Okay. And now you start going, is that person a person that buys people presents? What would she say? if you use that muscle, to the person that she might know? No. Does that person, someone that says, whatever the person says, I'll agree to, even if they have a different opinion? Okay, I'm not sure if she'll see the picture so clearly. Well, then let's come up and make up the story. You want to make it black and white. Children learn from stories. Children learn from examples, from understanding. If you talk direct, we've got to go down to their age. And that's the specialty of people that are child therapists. I, I once met one of the most amazing child therapists, and this lady was in her 60s, and she was like sort of giving a class, and she was telling me when a kid said, oh, I'm afraid of bugs. And she says, oh, right away she went down on her knees. And she went outside and she says, look at the sand. And I was going, wow, this person in their mid-60s is going down like really went to the kid's world. The uh-huh. ability to do that is what's needed. So what we want to sense, if you want to help her, we've got to go down to her age. We need it that's in Michelle that she will understand, not us. I guess that's a challenge, trying to put yourself down like a 12-year-old. There you go. Now, my friend, since you called up, can we give you a little bit more information than you bargained for? Please. Okay. 
The goal that I find when the Rabbi Shalom has us get married and have children is it's meant to refine our places that we couldn't refine yet. Which means if someone is a very warm and emotional person, I usually find a man, let's say, you would assume the Rabbi Shalom would be Meshadachim with a warm, emotional woman. And officially we assume, you know, based on the world that the women are more emotional. And usually the Rabbi Shalom does it just the opposite puts an emotional man with a more logical woman, and the same vice versa. And even when the Rebbein Shalom does put that emotional man with that emotional lady to get married, they will have one or two children that are not emotional at all, and they have no idea and they don't have the tools how to deal with it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And my belief is, this is only my belief, the Rebbein Shalom does it this way so we got to grow and we can change. We got to have more tools in our toolbox, and the older we get, the more gray area we start seeing. It stops being so black and white, and we see gray. This might be an amazing opportunity for their bunch to do it through a gentle way of explaining it to your daughter and stop thinking, okay, let me practice. You might practice it with your wife. I want to stop being like a 12 year old. I want to stop smiling. I want to stop laughing. I want to start understanding what they feel. Start asking your daughter, what do you feel that you need to give? What, who taught you? Where did you see it? That when you give so much, you're going to get back. And then you want to start showing them stories or eyes that when you are yourself, that's who they like. People like people that exist. I am. This is what I believe. This is what you believe. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So this is an opportunity... We've taken the question from you asking, how do you explain to your daughter that she's got the issue and to explain to her, and we're turning it to you, how can you learn now to go down to your child's age, and when a kid is two years old, three years old, get get down on your hands and knees. And we've had once, I forgot again from which one of the svarim we've quoted, I usually have someone text it to me after the program, so I'm sorry, but we had the Gedoli Adar, when they came to ask Shiloh, they saw him on his hands and knees, and his little two-year-old kid had like a string around his neck, like he was sort of like riding the, a donkey, like a muzzle, not around his neck, in his mouth. He was holding the cord, and that's how he was able to be Machana Chizkid. At each age, part of our job is to go down to our children's age. So, sounds like you got some work cut out for you, and the Rabbi Yishlein believes that you can do it. Okay, thank you very much. Shkayach Menachem, thank you for calling in. We are going to go to Yaakov on line one. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes, Rabbi Yaakov. Yes, thank you for your line. It's uh, amazing, really amazing. Uh, I hear it a lot. I appreciate and, and I also really mm-hmm. want to thank Harav Nissen. I want to thank Aaron yeah, for the amazing work at Radio.com for what they are doing. Because the awareness the whole, that yeah, they've yeah. given us is chos, and to see that it's needed is amazing. So I, I feel there's so much thanks to them, to FNW for hosting it and carrying it. So much chos, and so many great people around. Yes. Yeah, um, I would like to know. Um, I I went. Uh, I went. Uh, I'm, I'm after divorce. I would like to know uh, um, what uh, what you have to do in the center. If I I was not right or she was not right, I I'm, I want to be uh, I want to be a healed person to, to the next uh, yes the um, next man um, yes there is a there's a, a sort of a saying that goes on like in the therapy type process which is heal yourself in the first marriage or you're going to have to heal yourself in the second one 
which means the issues come up just usually the extremes. Just to give an example, you can have, let's say, the first marriage of the wife was too tough, so that bothered you, and then you'll marry someone the exact opposite, which is too gentle and no assertiveness, and that's going to drive you nuts. And then the people come and saying, it's just, I just can't get it right. So I am a huge believer in my concept of marriage counseling is very different than anyone else I've practically ever heard doing it, and it's really the only ones that I've seen from my experience work. But most people don't like it, and it goes as follows. I usually see the couple one or two sessions together, and then we do complete individual therapy. It means each and every one of them must take 10 sessions alone and focus on their core issues. So it's impossible for you not to have an issue just because you're a human being. If you can work on your core issues, means either you're the aggressor, let's say you're the one that gets angry or tough or demanding, or it's the other way around where you're the one that's the oppressor, means you get afraid, scared, you shut down. Either way, we need to learn the balance. So in divorces, unfortunately, when it happens is there are two people that, for whatever reason, their styles weren't able to work things out, and each of them were stuck in their role. And what we need to do is we need to identify what was my weakness that I need to work on. And if someone tells me I was 100% perfect, I go, wow, you're the first one, or there are only six people the Gemara say that were perfect, you're number seven. So my recommendation is go to a therapist that would help you identify your weaknesses, and don't worry, you don't have to wait till you're married to deal with it. You'll find those weaknesses in your business. You'll find those weaknesses when you deal with your children. And as you master it in your current life, you will then know when you're ready or when you don't have it in your current life. You're able to work through the process. Then you know you're able to, with the Atadishmaya, have a healthy marriage at the next level. Does that make sense? Uh, who's going who's to tell me this? <laughs> what do you mean? A therapist, no therapist tells you. A therapist walks in. First question is, why are you here? I want to have, like you said, I want to make sure the next marriage is better. It will work out better. The next question is, okay, what were your parts that didn't make the marriage healthy? What would you answer to that? Um, what will answer to I that? I realize you're on ear and many people are listening to you, so you might choose to answer it or not. I'm, I'm just empowering you with the choice. Mm-hmm. What are your problems or issues that you brought into the marriage or that you or that developed in the marriage but are your issues regardless of your ex-wife? To me, it's a, it's a not-so-good childhood. Good, but now how did that not-so-good childhood affect your marriage? Maybe I was not uh, so... Uh... Um, Gentle, caring, patient. What? Maybe you were, I was just trying to help you out to fill in the blanks. What about your not-so-good childhood affected your marriage? What did you do not healthy enough in the marriage on your part? But I just want you to be aware, this is what you do in therapy. Therapy is we make you find your issues. And then, let's say you were too tough, or let's say you couldn't be assertive. We start going, okay, where in your life now are you too tough? Where in your life now are you too assertive? And then we start working on that. What's mean assertive? Assertive means to, be, to say no. Some people have a tough time saying no. Some people say no too much. So for someone that the problem in the marriage is they said no all the time or it had to be their way, we now practice in your daily life 
how will you start understanding another person more? So at work, if someone has a difference of opinion, instead of going, eh, I know better, how can I have them listen? How, uh, sorry, how can I have me listen to them? If someone's problem in the marriage was that they couldn't say no, we start practicing how are you going to learn to say assertively no. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, how I how I know which 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 counselor will help me with this? You'll find a therapist, Mertzeshem. I always recommend Relief, Relief Resources. Uh, you can just look up their numbers all around, or there's Echo and their referrals. Or you can go to um, some wonderful organizations that have therapists. Jewish Board, OHEL, there are so many organizations that have, that offer therapists. You know, for the insurance that they carry, all insurances. But the goal is to help you identify what are some of the weaknesses that you brought in. Excellent, great. So I want to thank everyone for listening in, Mary. Looking forward to having you next week. Siata Deshmaya, may we be zoichet to hear that it's turned out excellent for Klai Yisrael, for Eretz Yisrael, and for all the Eden over there. Thank you all for listening. Hatzlacha.